Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. I hit a button, and we begin the adventure. My guest today is really cool. I can't wait to introduce you to her. Who is she? What does she do? Well, she's an agile marketing leader, and she has a passion for helping people transform their teams into agile powerhouses. I don't know about you, but sign me up for that. I want to be an agile powerhouse. Keynote speaker, author of not one, but two books, Mastering Marketing Agility. Love that title. And Death of a Marketer. Oh, boy. The IC Agile Certified Agile Marketing Coach and Trainer to the Stars, co-founder of Agile Sherpas, Andrea Fryer. Welcome to the show. Wow, I, I feel much cooler than I really am right now with yeah. everything that you just you said. You are. You are cooler. You're way cooler. I'm, I'm stoked you're here. I, I know you're super busy. Um, I can't wait to just dive into I mean, we've said Agile a mi couple million times, so let me just go ahead and grab this thing over here. It's kind of heavy. I've been working out. Got my new Peloton bike to help me hold on to it. Ugh. Okay, here we go. You going to grab that? It's Thor's hammer. You got, got it? it? Okay, yes. there you go. Take Thor's hammer and smash for me some kind of myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Just set the record straight once and for all. Yeah, I think we could probably spend the next hour on this just alone because there are so many misunderstandings about what Agile means in general and what it means particularly inside of marketing. But a few that I think we must destroy yes. is that uh, Agile is just about being fast, right? And, and that if we can pivot and turn on a dime, then we get to call ourselves Agile. Uh, unfortunately, no. That's what I like to call lowercase a agile. It's an adjective to be fast and responsive. And those are good things, which I think 2020 was a kind of cruel teacher in the need for being adaptive to what's going on around us. But you might be those things by accident or by necessity, but the capital A version of agile is much harder and it requires a lot of discipline and rigor to get right. So it's, it's quite different than just being fast. Uh, a related oh go ahead no i was saying? just saying it, it is fat you are fast mm -hmm. and you and you do inherit the flexibility of the little a mm -hmm. but it, that's not it's not like that's the simple way of describing it like that's, yeah that's exactly yeah. right okay. it's like how your thumb is a finger but not all of your fingers are a thumb right like <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> lowercase a agile falls under the umbrella of the capital a you get all of that good stuff but the capital a version has a lot of other stuff in there too whoa you got me on that the finger thumb thing things you haven't thought about for a long time since you've been like four you're like right your thumb is a thing it's technically a finger right right everyone's looking at their hand right now going is that right is that is that is that right? yeah okay so we want the we want the big picture of the the all-encompassing capital a agile yeah what is that yeah, so I mean, it's it's borrowed, let's say, or translated from what worked for our friends over in software development, which the Agile Manifesto is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. So Agile as an idea, as a way of working, has been around for a while. And what's been happening over the last several years is marketing has started to become much more digital, much more like software in many, many ways. And so just like software did back in the late nineties, we've started to break our old ways of working and you start to see projects take too long and people are working crazy hours and yet things don't ever seem to move. And when you finally get a campaign to market, people are like, eh, right? Like that was kind of okay. Or they might hate yeah. it, right? Speaking of Peloton, <laughs> you know, they're, they're kind of serious misstep a couple of Christmases ago. That's a, in my opinion, a good example of like a really big bang campaign that took a long time to get to market. And then you got all kinds of negative attention. Right. Was it the it. ad that so, everyone was criticizing? Yeah. Where the lady got the bike for Christmas and she was already like super skinny and fit. And it's like <laughs> yeah. your, your husband bought you a Peloton for Christmas. Like, there's some couples therapy in your future. Um, <laughs> right? So 
but marketers do this a lot, right? We, we go off into our corners and we make a bunch of stuff for a really long time and then don't show it to anyone until it's ta-da, totally perfect, or we think it's perfect. Yeah. And instead, Agile calls on us to recognize we're planning at the moment of maximum ignorance, right? Like we're drafting all these plans and all these great ideas, but until we actually put them in front of our audience or our customers, we really don't know if it's going to resonate or work or not. And so do something small, put it in front of people and see how they react. If it's a good idea and it's going the way you want, do more like that, build it up, continue to iterate and expand on it. And if it's not, if it's terrible, perfect. You only spend a few weeks on it and you can walk away from it knowing that this was a bad idea instead of blowing your whole quarterly budget on it for it to be a dud. Yeah. Pushing all the chips on one hand kind of thing. Is that what they call waterfall? Is that the whole old waterfall technique? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, let's spend three months drafting a perfect plan. Then let's do all of the design work. Then let's do all of the copy work. Then let's spend another month putting it into marketing automation and then let's hit the button. Right. And now we're like <laughs> nine months down the road yeah. and nobody's seen anything yet. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or let's plan. Yeah. Plan that whole campaign. It's planned all in January. I'm sure everything will be the same. Like January of last year, COVID was like, you'd heard about it as like a thing that China was dealing with, you know? Yeah. I went on a cruise at the end of January in like kids vacation. <laughs> and so plan whatever you planned in January, if you would put all your chips in on this one thing, it, it was going to be a different story. Like even a couple months later, not to mention yep. nine months later, if you put all those, push everything in on that one hand. Yeah. Yeah. And so we do have to be able to be iterative and responsive, but I think that the balance that is important to strike there, and this is another sort of common misconception, is that when you are agile, you can just change all the time for whatever reason. But if you pivot too often and abandon things before you've had a chance to really give them a chance and, and see if they're going to work or not, that's another form of waste coming into your system. And so new agile marketing teams get this a lot, right? Sales or product or somebody else comes to them and says, well, you guys are agile now. You should be able to take my fancy, shiny new idea that I had in the shower this morning and do it right now because it's a brilliant idea. Right. But changing that, right? And pivoting too often without a good reason, right? Without a business case, without like, here's how we're going to deliver more value through this change actually will delay things and, and step you backwards from where you want to be. So Agile is not about just changing our mind all the time. It's about making adjustments when there's a good customer-centric data-driven reason to do that. Ooh, I like that. It's almost like every word you're saying, it's a good thing this is recorded because like every word you're saying, I can go back and it's like, okay, there, that, that was deliberate. There was an intention behind that. Um, and I want to go back to a phrase you mentioned. Um, it's you're introducing the idea of waste or waste coming into your system. It sounds very much like a, like a factory or some kind of cool Six Sigma thing where we're introducing this, this concept of waste to marketing. Could you talk more about that? Yeah, yeah. So the, the ideas of waste in a system are coming even farther back than agile, right? So that's like lean manufacturing. Yeah, yeah, is where you, you get that concept coming in. And like the 1940s, um, Toyota really mastered that on their assembly lines, finding these places where there were defects, or there was overproduction, or there was duplication of effort, and then systematically weeding those things out so that they could produce these like, flawless vehicles at the end of the assembly line, which really propelled them to the, the leader in the automotive market at the time. And so we can, again, borrow from that in the same way that we're borrowing these ideas from agile software development and saying, where are we non-optimal, right? In the way that we execute yeah. work, where are we over-engineering things that could be simple? Where are we uh, wasting time on manual processes that could be automated. Uh, why are we in meetings nine hours a day and then expect people to actually get work done when their brains are totally fried? You know, these are, these are wasteful activities that as we start to systematically look at them and cut them out, then we improve the quality and the quantity of work that can get through the same people 
right? You don't hire more people. You don't have to buy shiny new MarTech. You just have to optimize your system and then things get better. Mm, you're right. So it's before throwing down that credit card to, to try to hire, you know, hire or buy your way out of a problem, just I love the idea of the introspection that comes with, okay, what are we doing now that maybe we should be doing? And I mean, not a lot of companies do that. Sometimes it's the sacred cow. It's the sacred thing, whatever that is. We must, it's how we've always done it, you know, and no one thinks to, why do we meet for an hour every day? Like we don't, we don't even need that hour. Like that's interesting. Is it? So that's part of agile as well. It's true. Yes. Um, So there's a meeting called a retrospective or a retro, which is, all about process. We don't talk about the work. We don't look at KPIs and metrics or any of this. It's like, what is working really well in the system? So let's do more like that. What is not going well? How can we improve that? And we do that regularly. Um, Ideally, every couple of weeks, you pause and, and stop the frantic activity so that you can look around you and be critical about what's happening. And sometimes this could be, you know, Things are going really well here, but then we hand it off to legal and we don't hear back for three weeks, right? So, okay, now it's time to maybe look outside the system, but everybody just is too busy to improve, right? Like Mm -hmm. we got to keep pushing this wagon with square wheels when we could stop, put on round wheels and then go much, much faster. But, oh, it's too much, right? I can't, I can't stop to to think about how to make things better. I just got to keep my head down and keep driving forward. It's it's really frustrating as a, as a coach and consultant to come in and be like, no guys, if you would just pause for, for a day here, you know, then you would save yourself so much angst and drama for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's like a multiplication effect. It's a snowball because if you can eliminate yeah. that one meeting, yeah, it only takes 15 minutes or it saves you. If I give you half an hour back of your day, but that's times like 52 weeks, like, geez, that's, that's like yeah. 25, and for the hours. 25, for the 25 people that were in that meeting, right? You just oh, got back 12 hours of work. Times 52. Yeah, like we literally have weeks of work that weren't going to happen because we were in these meetings yep. or whatever process was was flawed. I like the idea of stopping the factory for a second. Stop making a car for a second. Don't even, and we're not talking about the output of the factory right now. This is about the factory itself. How How is it going? Let's just call out the friction that's happening. Call out things that don't make sense or do make sense or are there little tweaks we could make i love it's like working on the business not just in it yeah very much um but it's also you know down at the team level too Mm. um in the toyota production lines anybody on the line who was making tires or putting on steering wheels or whatever had a lever or a thing that they could pull that would stop the entire assembly line so if they identified a problem they were empowered to stop fix the problem and then restart things. And that actually improved the outputs so much because nobody had to go back, right? When the car is finished and try to fix it after it's built. Oh yeah. They could eliminate the problem before it was a car. And it was this huge, like counterintuitive thing, but it's the same in, in an agile marketing team, right? Anybody on the team has the, the ability to raise their hand and say, this is a problem or, Hey, this is an amazing opportunity that we should take advantage of. And they're the closest to the work, the closest to the customer. In so many cases, like we should listen to them a whole lot more and give them that autonomy to, to pull the lever and, and call it. Okay. I like that. Um, and tell me about the, the factory. So people, Man, that's that's brave. But I, I guess when I think about mechanics, when you have like something deep in your engine that needs to be fixed, you're getting you're, you're paying to have them remove this, remove that, remove this, just to get access to that one little part. So if they keep building on top of it, they put yeah. so many more layers of it. You're right; it takes more time to fix it then. But how, what an empowerment to say, stop the whole factory. We got to fix the situation now. Keep it going. But they can identify. Okay, we've had a lot of stops here. There's a there's a point here. It's not the person. It's some, somehow something before them is causing this to con, to stop by this point. That's really cool. That's really. Yeah. And that's, it's really, I'm glad that you said that about like, it's not the person because yeah. there's so, there's so many marketers and I, I talk to them every day and it's just like, please stop doing this where you, they're working themselves into the ground, you know, and they, it's because of where they are in the system. They're the last in line 
and everything before them got delayed by a few days for whatever reason. So by the time it gets to them, they're just, it's like, hi, I know you said you need two weeks to do all of this. You have a day. Good luck with that. And so, and that just happens over and over again. And they should be able to say, no, like I cannot do the work of two weeks in a day. And I, you shouldn't ask me to, and I'm not going to do it. Um, instead of working for 14 hours a day for the foreseeable future. And there's always an extenuating circumstance like, oh, this won't happen again, but it just keeps happening again. And, and this idea of a bottleneck, right? You're a bottleneck in the system. It's not about you. It's not because you're bad at your job. It's not because you're lazy. It's there's systemic reasons for this, but right. unless we stop and look at them and examine them systematically, we can't expect this to magically solve itself. It makes total sense. And I think sometimes I even, I think that way where something bad happens, it's less about, okay, this happened once, but like, how can we just prevent this from happening again? Yeah. You know? And if you don't think that way, then you're going to, no, it happened again. Oh man. Oh, it happened again. Like, okay. <laughs> it's happening for a reason. Whatever mm-hmm. system you have is causing this thing. Um, so you got to fix it as, at a, at a holistic point. Okay. So question, this all sounds great, but there's, there's so much to it. Is this just like a cure-all? Is this like drink a little agile and <laughs> there goes the eczema or there goes the, you know, Oh, your, your lead gen problem. Your, you know, you have an issue with demand gen or, you know, your funnel. Oh yeah. Drink a little of this agile juice and you're, you're going to be fine. Like, how, is it, is it, has it grown to be something where it's, it's everything or is there like a definable amount of things? That, like how, how do you, how do you know where the, the border begins and ends? Yeah, that's a, I like that question a lot because we, what we tell our clients oftentimes is we're not here to tell you what to do, right? Like we, we are trusting that you are talking to the right people using the right channels. You've got the right marketing strategies in place we're here to help whatever you're doing go better, right? And that's what Agile is really, it's about the execution and the processes. So it's its working off of the assumption that you know where you're trying to drive this car and we're just gonna optimize the route to get you there, right? And, and help you avoid the traffic jams and, and you know go a little faster by pushing this pedal down and you know, those sorts of things. But if you're going to the wrong place, you're just going to get there faster (laughs) once you're using agile. Um, So it's not a, you know, it's not a cure-all for everything, definitely. But that said, I do think it's applicable to any kind of marketing work. work. Hmm. Um, You know, it doesn't just work at the top of the funnel or it's only for B2B, like any kind of system or process can benefit from using it. But if what you're doing is the wrong thing, then you're just going to do it faster. Got it. It doesn't tell you what to do, but it helps you get there faster. It helps you. Yeah. It helps you with the how. How should yes. we get there? Yes, um, that's that's yeah, and that's like how I opened my my book. The second one is this is a book about how, right? This mm. is the book to help you execute. Um, but this isn't gonna this isn't gonna solve your strategic marketing problems. There are lots of smart people that can help you do that. Um, but that's not, that's not you know what's funny. For. Our book should hang out because my book started as like, this is not a book of how there we go. <laughs> this is a book of like what you should do. We'll save how for someone, someone else. So that, that's awesome. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and it's also not even the how of like how to build the, the lead gym campaign. It's like, it's the layer, it's that process layer above it of when mm-hmm. you're going to go attack this issue, what are the steps before, during, and after yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. How many times do you encounter clients and people you're, you're presenting to that don't have the the what to do? And then how do you address that? It's it's not as frequent as you might think, happily. I think by the time they're coming to us to talk about process is they're like, we really want to do this thing, but we just can't get it done, right? We, we know that there's this cool goal we're trying to get to, but we're stuck. Um, and so that's kind of where we step in, but it does happen. And what, where it usually rears its ugly head is when we're trying to prioritize work, right? So we have this big backlog of stuff that we want to get done, 
but we can't do it all at once. We have to prioritize the time and energy of the team. And so we start asking like, what should we do first in order to meet your goals and objectives? And it's this like really awkward pause when you hear the marketing leadership go, well, we don't know what our goals and objectives are. So just do as much as you can, as fast as you can. And that's like a big Wee wee red alarm light going off of you know if you don't know where you're going why even start the car right um, so the, it's the emo the emoji that fits that is that smile with all the teeth showing like ah, <laughs> awkward um, yeah you're right if you don't know where you're if you don't know what the destination is like why even get get in the car yeah my my kind of most cringe inducing moment of one of those was we were talking to the, the marketing leadership team about this. And they said, well, we know what we think our objectives are inside of marketing, but we have no idea what the organization's goals are. So we don't know if we're supporting those or not. Right. The face you're making right now is the exact <laughs> face that I was <laughs> making. I was like, did you make it or did you try to like poker face it? Well, I mean, I had been working with them for a while, so I could, I could say like, guys, that's a problem, you know, like yeah. we can optimize inside of marketing all day long, but if you take this up to your CEO and they're like, that is, I guess, okay, but that doesn't help me at all with what we're trying to do. Again, we've, we've made a lot of progress in the wrong direction. And yeah. so it's this alignment piece, which is why agile does not stop at the execution team, right? You have to the whole organization has to be on board with this at the very least to identify and socialize what the goals are. Like if you wow. have to be able to do that, or you can't expect your agile teams to be getting you where you want to go. If you haven't told them where you're trying to get. Right. Right. Reminds me of a uh, Alice in Wonderland, you know, the Cheshire cat, you know, so he's like sitting in the tree, by the way, same last name as me. Coincidence. Maybe, I don't know, but, uh, and Alice is like, hey, which way should I go, left or right? And the cat's like, where are you trying to go? She's like, it doesn't really matter. She was like, cool, doesn't matter which way you go then. <laughs> like, yep. have at it. <laughs> Man, you know, you know a, lot, a lot of kids these days have no idea what Alice in Wonderland is. Sad. That's sad. Yeah. We need, we need a little revival. We need like an old school movie revival. Um, yes. I love that cringe moment. Do you have any other stories of, of Agile gone right or wrong? Um, I have many um, story time with Henry. Uh, uh, let, let me tell a happy one now. So oh, yeah, yeah, told yeah. Kind okay. of a sad one already. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> one of my favorites, fun, though, so. yeah, <laughs> one of my favorites is, um, a team that was building their backlogs for the very first time. So that's the visualized to-do list, right? Here's everything that we are working on. Uh, and so they were in four teams, each team, this is, you know, before COVID. So we were in a room all together and everybody had uh, retreated to their corners. And we said, write down everything your team is going to be doing for the next three weeks, right? Let's not boil the ocean here. Let's just talk about the next few weeks. One sticky note per activity, put it out on the wall. And then I want you to tell me the order you're probably going to do it in, right? Because of urgency or a deadline or you know, Casey's always bugging me. So I'm going to do his thing <laughs> first, you know, those kinds of things. Right. So they, they did it, put it all out. Right. And here's the stuff we're going to do first. And, and this stuff at the bottom is coming last and the CMOs in the room walking around and looking at everybody's stuff. And she pulls me aside and she's like, they're doing all the wrong things. And I was like, okay, well, let's talk about it. And what she had learned just by seeing this was they were doing all this like hamster wheel stuff, you know, like mm -hmm. every week we do this blog post, every quarter we do this campaign and so-and-so over here in sales is always bugging us. And so we always do whatever that person asks us because they email us all the time if we don't. And that stuff was all gumming up the top of their to-do list and all the stuff she was being evaluated on, right? Her OKR related activities are at the very bottom. And she was like, okay, and this was how you know that you've got a leader in the right mindset because she was like, how can I help you take this stuff off your plate, right? She didn't just say, you need to get more done so that you can get down to my priorities. She was like, tell me who's asking you to do this. I'm going to go to them and say, my teams don't do this anymore, or they don't do this until they've accomplished their strategic goals or and she really got in the weeds with them and said, how can we change this up so that you're not spending eight hours a day doing work that's not delivering 
on our goals and objectives. And that was like, yay, like this yeah. is what it's supposed to do. And that was just by visualizing the stuff, right? This is before work even started and you get into the waste stuff that we were talking about before. And it's just so powerful, but they had to take a day at an offsite to do it. And it unlocked this huge benefit for the whole marketing function by just taking that time to visualize what was going on. Wow. Yeah. A great story because it starts out where we're like, Oh no, we're doing all the wrong things. This is going to be juicy. And then you in, but what a great CMO, what a great leader uh, for her to say, okay, we're putting an end to this. And, and to your point, not do more guys or put all those naggy things down below. It's like, let's get those naggy things out of your radar, like off of your script. Let's get it out of here. And I could see yeah. her just you're storming off to the office, uh, the offices and being like, by the way, this is not, this is on you guys now. See ya. <laughs> or however we can work that out. But that way her team would be freed up to do their, the responsibilities that they're being you know, reported and, and responsible for. Yeah. Wow. You mentioned OKR. Uh, I, I keep, I've heard of that here and there. Do you, do you see that a lot? Is that kind of like the, maybe just kind of talk, talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it stands for objectives and key results. And that's something I, I think it's getting more and more common. You know, it's, it came to prominence, I believe through Google's use of it and, and socialization of it. And we like to use it with teams just because it is fairly straightforward to set up and track. It's like, here's the objective, here's the big rock that we're trying to move. And then the key results are the little boulders, you know, underneath it that we're going to roll to achieve that goal. And if we have those set, then we can tag work in a backlog to say, this is supporting OKR one, this is supporting OKR two, but really it's just a goal setting framework. So as long as you know, the goals and the place you're trying to get to that will work as well. It can be initiative one, initiative two, whatever you want to call it, but it's super beneficial to be able to align the work a team is doing to does it ladder up to a goal or is it just work for kind of the sake of doing stuff? Gotcha. What's the, is this helping us? What direction are we going? And then is this particular task helping us in any of those directions or if it's, you know, superfluous, that's cool. I, I, I just heard about OKR a couple of days ago uh, from a friend. And, and so it, it does sound like it's getting more and more traction, but to your point, whatever the simple or complicated thing you want to have for, what, what's the goal and what are the steps to get there? I mean, that, yeah. that sounds like it's, it's critical and then you can really optimize the path to get there with, with yeah. agile. Yeah. I know marketing leaders who have even just tagged items in their backlog as revenue generating or not revenue generating Ooh. activities. And that That's one's scary, one. right? Cause then you start <laughs> yeah. to see <laughs> how much time you're spending on stuff that may or may not be impacting the bottom line. Yeah. Jeez. Well, we should do that. I mean, and I think the key part was that visibility that CMO had just had the visibility. If you don't, sometimes you just don't know, especially larger and larger groups. It's hard to manage people and tasks across lots of different teams. And yep. Wow. Well, good stuff. Well, with, with something like agile, which clearly is in your arsenal and you're equipping other people with it. It's awesome. What keeps you up at night? What, 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 uh, what is it out there that's, that still bothers you when you've got something like Agile on your side? Yeah. I mean, so Agile Sherpas has historically been focused exclusively on marketing. We're all marketing, um, professionals who have drank the Agile Kool-Aid and we go out and, and train other people on how to, how to apply it. But what's happening more and more is that our marketing clients are bumping up into other parts of the organization that are not yet Agile. And so there's a lot of work to be done still to optimize marketing systems and processes, but eventually we're going to have to push right beyond those boundaries. So that's kind of what's beginning to keep me up at night is, is how do we really get to business agility? It's not just software development. It's not just marketing. Like everybody can benefit from adopting these ways of working, but it's been so crucial for our marketing clients to be able to hear agile explained in terminology that's relevant to them, right? You can't talk to them about developing features and releasing code and expect them to follow you when you're like, here's a totally different way of working that I'm going to explain by using examples that have no meaning to you whatsoever, right. but come along with me and get excited about it. Um, 
And the same thing's going to have to happen, I think, for HR and finance and everybody. You're going to have to be able to talk to them in a way that's relevant and meaningful and gets them excited about change uh, in order to get to that place. So that's both what keeps me up at night, but also like makes me really excited to come and sit down at my desk every day because there's still like a huge amount of awesomeness to be unlocked uh, inside all the functions of, of an organization. Yeah. And it becomes an, ag an agile org, the whole org itself. Um, and then it's like training CEOs. Um, and the final yeah, frontier. Yes. <laughs> bumping out of bumping out of just one department. You know, it's everyone's challenge, right? The siloed department. Hey, marketing super efficient. Great. Well, it's super paired up with sales. So, you know, I don't know. Right. <laughs> sales, are they going to be, you know, paddling in the same direction at the same tempo? Um, and does it, does it work for them too? Have you ever, have you seen any sales teams that, how does a sales team get agile? Yeah, it's, sales is an interesting nut to crack because it's so much of agile is team centric, right? It's meant to optimize the performance of a small group of people, but sales is often inherently individualistic. And so you, you have to do a lot more, like we have to think differently about the way that we measure people, compensate people, arrange them into teams or um, larger departments. So there are people out there doing it, right? There's, there's folks who have started to, to dig into that problem, but uh, I'm not sure it's as mature as the movement of, of agile marketing yet. Yeah. Marketing tends to have that, you know, forest from the trees, big picture view, which mm -hmm. I've always enjoyed. And they're, they're kind of the only department, you know, we talked about this, that, that really can reach into every aspect and, yeah. can interface with every department. So I think it's actually kind of brilliant that you're, you just even by way of passion have started with marketing, mm -hmm. but I think that's the right conduit. You know, if you'd started with finance, now it's finance trying to get everyone else to try this new strategy. It's like, yeah. what? we're not listening to them um, unless they hold the piggy bank, in which case maybe, but, but having market, like we have the overall uniting joining picture of things. So I could see it seeping into everybody else by way of marketing. I, I see why you're excited about it. I mean, concerned, but then also, so much opportunity yeah it's almost like you win the ceo over and then sort of falls by the i don't know i don't know how you address that but yeah I, and, and would you do you think you're the i mean especially if your passion is for marketing but there's all these other departments that are probably equally as eager to to work on their how not just their what yeah i mean it's it's something that that i grapple with regularly as, as the leader of Agile Sherpas is to figure out, you know, like, like I said, we were able to do what we've done in marketing because we are marketers and we speak yeah. that language and we can come in and understand. And so in order to do that for other functions, I think we have to find partners and, and find other folks who are passionate about helping their colleagues and bring them in and, and kind of become a, a larger force for, for business agility. Yeah, that's smart. That's smart, man. Crazy stuff though. I, I, I'm excited for you. I can't wait to I definitely want to follow the, the progress and I'm sure there's like five more books just waiting to come out. <laughs> yeah, we'll um, see. It's like we were talking about before we started recording. I got to forget how hard it, it is to do one before I'll, I'll sign up for another, just like having a kid. So. Totally. Totally. Mine, mine came out last year. So still a little tender <laughs> still a little like yeah i remember that um, i'm still i'm still supposed to be promoting this one you know yeah um, yeah and then you become like the sort of the person you know almost like they joke where when you have kids you become the people on facebook that are always like hey look at my baby at like three and a half weeks old and three and a half point four weeks old and um you kind of become that when you have a book you're like look another baby right look look at my book you know how many times have i shared the book cover on Instagram or LinkedIn, you know? Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. I, Joe Polizzi is a, is a big yeah. kind of, um, uh, idol of mine. And I know he does a book every two years and that that's always been like my ideal cadence. I, it yeah. took me three between book one and book two. So we'll see if I can, if I can keep it up, but, uh, he's, he's a machine. Yeah. And then there's Dan Sullivan. I don't know if you've bumped into him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. he's, I think he's doing one, a, not a quarter. It can't be. I think it's a quarter. I don't know. Right? But they're like little mini books. They're like coffee table books. Okay. 
Um, that that might be doable. I don't know. Yeah. Do they do they relate to one another? Yeah, I don't have one on the desk here, but they're all up there. But yeah, they're like little smaller books, maybe maybe 50 pages instead of like the mm. whopping 190 or something. Maybe yeah. it's a little more agile to have them come out every quarter. That's I don't right. know. What do you right. say? It's a minimum viable book. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yes, minimum viable book. MVB. <laughs> well, hey, who are you? Who are you? You know, the, the reason I even reached out to you is because I, I kept hearing from, from people that I'm mentoring and then also other guests on the show like, you are the one to talk to and I can totally see why. And I'm just curious, who are you? Who are you? Like, can you take me back in time? Like little Andrea days, did you always know growing up that you're going to be like, you know, the queen of, of agile? <laughs> Wouldn't that be weird if I said yes, that like I, yes, I've, but I've cool. been a process nerd forever. <laughs> right. Um, no, uh, my original nerd superpowers were uh, more word related. So okay. um, I've been a bookworm forever. I went to school in college and studied English. Uh, at that point, I thought I wanted to be a college professor of all things. Nice. Um, yeah, so it's it's makes sense the through line a little bit because I train and teach others now. So there's a little bit of that still happening. Um, I went to grad school for women's studies. Uh, so I, again, that was on the route to PhD and college professor. Yeah. I spent one semester in a PhD program and was like, nope, can't do this for another seven years. <laughs> like hard pass. Just like, nope. It was bad. What, what was it about it? If you, if you were to think and other people that are like kind of toying with the idea, what was it that sort of signaled for you that it was like, not your jam? You know, it's a good question. The program was flawed. Um, it was a cultural studies program with just like two full-time professors and then a bunch of part-timers. Right before I got there, both of the full-time people left. And so the program was really adrift and and all of that. So that was an issue. Got it. Um, but it was also just like, you're going to be poor for a really long time, like yeah. really poor, you know? And, and you have to really be deeply committed to this, this path. Um, yeah. And it, I, I just, that was where the rubber hit the road. And I was like, no, I was also living in LA where everything is super expensive. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Working three jobs and trying to go to school. I was like, no, I just, I will die. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I left after a semester and I went and got a job as an editorial assistant for a newspaper syndicate. Um, so I thought, you know, I'll be in a journalism kind of feel that sort of jives with what I was doing. But right when I got there, they were trying to redo their website. Okay. Uh, I was 25 and the youngest, most digitally savvy person in the building. So somehow I got put in charge of the website, which in hindsight was a terrible idea. They should not have done that. Um, but it was a pretty short jump from now you've, you've, started this new website, you need to get people to come to it, right? And so now we're into SEO and SEM. And now I'm like starting to be like, oh, marketing is a thing. Like you convince people in various ways to come and visit this yeah. thing online that you built. Um, and so that was where the, the marketing snowball sort of started rolling for me. Super cool. um, and then as I started getting into digital marketing, content marketing started becoming a thing. And it was like, oh, look, I know about marketing and I'm a writer. How perfect is this? Um, and so then I've been hooked ever since. Um, I did content marketing and content strategy for a while till I discovered Agile because um, my poor little content team was just getting our butts kicked on a regular basis at a software company that I worked at. We just couldn't keep up. And so I convinced my boss to let us try to be Agile just like our developers were. Oh, wow. So, Cause I was like, it can't possibly be any worse than, you know, right. what's going on around us right now. Totally. So off we went and I experimented on that team and wrote about what we were doing. And people started to reach out to me and say, Hey, you are having the exact same problems that I am. Can you help me solve them? Um, so I spent some time trying to help people kind of on the side of my desk and then eventually left and started doing it full time. And wow. here we are. What was that like when you, when you eventually left to do it full time? Oh, it was really scary. Was it? <laughs> um, I, I originally proposed to my boss to go part-time, um, to work part-time at my, at my content marketing gig, and then to, to start building the consulting practice, um, on the side. 
and that didn't fly. Um, she was like, yeah, sure. That'd be fine. And then as soon as it went up the chain, um, it got snixed. Um, yeah. and so at that point I was like, I gotta go. Like, right. I can't, you just asked to go part-time. Your boss knows that you, you want to do something else. <laughs> um, and so I just, I just left. Um, but that's where my content marketing really helped me. Cause I did a lot of copywriting and like freelancing of that sort of stuff to pay the bills Yes. while oh. I kept building up the, the agile consulting stuff. Um, so I've been doing that full-time for um, like nothing but agile stuff, uh, consulting and training for about five years now. So that sounds long when I say it out loud. <laughs> Doesn't it? We we both kind of like launched into our own things right about the same time. And I, I always kind of liked saying like, oh yeah, it was like two or three years ago, you know, like, like we're start up, but then you're like, actually it's kind of like five or six. And you're like, what does that make me? Well, I guess a survivor, like you, your business has survived, but at the same time, it's something fun and scrappy to being like the, the little company that's just getting a start. Well, at the same time, you also don't have any of the benefits or insurance or any of that stuff figured out. So it's, it's cool to have a little bit of a tenure behind you. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and so just ever, ever since um, now just leading and then the book came out, death of a marketer. Um, yep. What yep. sparked you to want to write that? So I talked to a lot of my mentors and, and people I admired in the field when I was going out on my own and was like, what did you do that really like kick things into high gear for you? And they all said, my book really did it. And I was like, all right, well, I'm a writer. I'm gonna write a book. Um, Heck yeah. Death and Marketer was fun because it was like going back to my academic roots. I did a lot of research, spent a lot of time in the uh, Colorado University library. And I was like, oh, libraries. I remember libraries. Um, so it's, it's very much like, let's look to the past to understand how we got where we are and why agile is going to get us out of this mess. And then with mastering marketing agility, it was more, here's what I've learned in three or four years of just doing this all the time. And here's what everybody needs to know about, like, don't do this, do this instead. Cause I've done that and it didn't work. So now I can tell you to do this other thing. That's so cool. Love the cover. Yeah. I love everything about it. Um, man, oh, I, I'm on Amazon right now. I'm follow cool <laughs> so when four or five three four or five and six come out of like oh alert ding ding time to time to get it um so cool so and so now you're like well i guess speaking when you can but not now virtually um yeah. and then teaching teams how to do this um that's cool that's really cool and and if, if there are teams listening to this or like we want to get in on that we're not sure how they can just reach out to you and you can kind of yeah. sherpa them through Yes. And at agilesherpas.com, um, you'll find a link. We do have a free introductory course. So it's, it's a pre-recorded 50 minute class. So you can dive in for free. We publish content because I'm a content marketer and, and can't let that go. Um, we publish free content every week. That's based on our work with actual clients. Like it's our trainers answering questions and digging into stuff. So join the email list, get stuff, free class, we do public certification courses too. Uh, I think the next one, next one might open next week, but then we have another one starting in April. So oh, there's cool. lots of ways to get started that are, that are easy peasy. Um, and then you can figure out when it's time to do the whole big change. Yeah, totally. I mean, shout out, I'll, I'll put it out there. Like the best way to follow up on a podcast that really excited you is to go get a free course on that exact same topic and dive deeper into everything that you wish Casey had asked, but he didn't. <laughs> so that's like the perfect way to do that. Um, so we'll put the link in the show notes. so People can kind of click right through um, to that. Uh, hypothetical question for you. Mm. I may or may not have a time machine <laughs> in my backyard under a tarp in Nashville, New Hampshire. <laughs> it may be there, may not. Uh, but let's say I do. And post-COVID, we, we get all the acorns off of it and everything. And you get a chance to use this time machine. You go back in time and it's to a specific point. You get to meet yourself after you just graduated your undergrad. You just got that English degree and you're kind of, you, there's different options. You're eventually going to get your master's, all these other things. But you get to go meet her. You get to meet like that Andrea. What kind of advice would you give her knowing all the things you've been through, the people you've met, the, the highs and the lows and all those things? You know, I've, I've thought about this a little bit and I'm not sure that that 22 year old Andrea, however old she would have been, um, would be able to take this advice because <laughs> right. it's really hard, right? And when you haven't been through things to get it, but I would tell her to 
spend more of her twenties learning like, and she would probably punch me in the face. Cause she just got through like undergrad and, right. and doing her, her undergrad thesis and everything. But I felt like I didn't do enough of that in my twenties. Cause it, I was kind of learning on the job, right. Learning about SEO, learning about project management and things, but I didn't do enough reading, not enough, you know, taking workshops and courses and things that I ended up having to learn a lot in my thirties when I like really needed to know it right now, <laughs> you know, um, running a business, right. You know, you're like, yeah, crap. Like, how do I do a business plan and how am I supposed to do an annual budget? And I'm hiring people like what's onboarding, like, you know, like yeah. these kinds of, you know, I've been an just, HR question. Like I'm not <laughs> To just learn more, you know, yeah. learn as much as you can about as much learn as you more. can before you have children. <laughs> before the kids, you yeah. know, I wonder if it's because in the twenties, cause I can totally relate to that. It's, it's kind of like, do you think you maybe like, you maybe haven't stated it out loud, but you kind of feel like you, oh, you know, everything you're still sort of that. You just got independence and you're like, yeah, I got this. This is fine. Yeah. yeah. Why are you 30? He's like, no, nope, I clearly don't. And I need to learn all these things. But it's like, if you had only spent some of that time uh, doing a little more learning, you might just be able to hit the ground running a little faster. Yeah. Yeah. And things just open up. Right. And you start to learn that when you get a little older is when you learn things and you broaden your understanding, then you start to see things that you wouldn't have seen before. And then you can go take advantage of things. But if you don't read and talk to people and go to classes, then you won't ever broaden your mind enough to see those things. That's a really good point about things are there. The opportunities are there. Jobs, opportunities, new businesses, passions, whatever they are, friends, new friends, they're there, but you don't, you're not aware, you're not aware of them until you've learned whatever you needed to learn that sort of reveals that. This is really kind of true. I mean, it's all out there, but if you're not aware of the opportunity or the concept, so yeah, unlock more of those things. It gives you more options too, as you're traveling around. What do I want to do next? Well, if you don't, if you haven't learned much, you probably like, if you hadn't really expanded your horizons to know that there's more outside of getting your PhD, you, you know, you could have been be a really unhappy academic right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Super unhappy. <laughs> the cranky professor. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That really opens up the door for you. Um, and so yeah, that sounds great. And and now you're you just getting outside as much as you can these days. Yes, hiking and it it was like 17 degrees here Fahrenheit in in Colorado yesterday and I'm still I'm just like I don't care. I'm putting on every, like coat and and the thing that covers your face and yes. everything. I just have to get outside cuz you know, I'm sure you're the same. You sit down. I had my first call at 6:30 this morning and yeah. I have a parent teacher conference at 4:30 this afternoon so like I'll be in front of my computer for 10 hours today and you just you just have to go outside or I'll go crazy. Yeah, you really do. Um and it looks like you've got some sunshine. I made the mistake of thinking it's like a temporary covid office in my basement so I have like a little baby window over there but I've got like all these lights to try to like but yeah, I always appreciate now just going outside and if it's cold, if it's warm, just whatever, get that fresh air in there. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's funny. I can see you all layered up and like, nope, I'm doing this. <laughs> However many layers I need, I'm putting them on. Doing it. Doing it. So my ski good. stuff. I basically look like I'm going ski? skiing, but just walking around my neighborhood. <laughs> right. Do you ski too? Yes. Very badly. Um, my kids are way better than me, but I go to be around them and to be in the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's always someone better at it. There's always like a mountain that'll either make you feel like, you know, a lot of skiing or one that makes you feel like you've never skied before. <laughs> I haven't know? found the mountain that makes me feel like I know a lot about skiing. I, I, oh, I haven't found that one yet. You have plenty of them. <laughs> okay. I'll have to come and visit you then. Cause the ones New in Hampshire. Colorado just ki just keep knocking me down. I, you know, there's this little one, one called Pat's peak. It just sounds pleasant. Oh, Pat's sounds peak. nice. Yeah. Oh, Oh, good old Pat. How are you? You know, and we have, we have an entire ski resort that are named after things from hell. So, you know, <laughs> really? Yeah. It used to be called purgatory. Like the, the <laughs> resort used to be called purgatory. And so all the runs have names that are related to, to hell. Satan's arrow. Like, oh, yeah, it is. So <laughs> it's like, funny. you know what you're getting yourself into. It's very clear. It'd be funny if in, in their bar, like all the drafts were something, you know, hell's fury. 
IPA. <laughs> Man, um, yeah, out, out here there's, um, I mean, Pat's Peak, you feel good, like, oh, wow. But the, the problem, I did the math. Um, the lift, it's not one of those high-speed ones, it's like slow. And, and they actually say on, on the sign, like, seven minutes. Okay, get to the top. And, yeah, I'm doing, like, a Garmin track to see, like, how fast the, the contest is to see like how fast can you go going down? Um, yeah, I'm going like 52 miles an hour. I'm done in like a minute 30. And then I'm sitting on the chairlift again. And one time I was doing the math and I was like, wait a minute, if I've done 10 runs, I've just spent 70 minutes on a chairlift. Like what is going on? So that ROI is not good. No, it's not. That's not, there's, there's bigger ones, thankfully, where you're like, Oh, that was faster. I joke with friends. We'd still be on that lift at Pat's peak at this point. You know, we've done like two runs. We'd still be on that lift waiting <laughs> to get up there. So crazy. Well, hey, um, how can people contact you? Throw out some social platforms, some links, company website, um, what they should click on to get that that free course, all that jazz. Yeah, um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm A. Fryrier. Fortunately, I have a very unusual last name. I'm pretty easy to find. Um, and then, yeah, Andrea at Agile Sherpas. If people want to email me, questions about agility or any of that stuff. And then agilesherpas.com will take you to the free course, the certification class, all of our resources are on there. There's a free chapter of my book on there. So there's lots of good stuff to be had. Right on. And, and when you are perusing good old amazon.com mastering marketing agility, definitely scoop that one up. Oh, yep. Came out last year as well. Yeah. In July, it's fresh, fresh off the press. I love when books are like recent because you're like, this is not, you know, you're not, this is not Socrates on marketing. This is, yeah. not, this is recent stuff. This is the, the cutting edge yeah. stuff to be in a book like that and the death of a marketer as well. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much for coming and hanging out for a bit, schooling me up, hashing it out. It's been great chatting with you, Casey. I'm going to come take you up on that time machine thing. Yes. Yes, I may or may not have one, but either way, there's skiing as well. So, you know, skiing and time machine, that'll be a lot of fun. Worth um, the trip. And for those people listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. <laughs>